This is the SFF Audio Podcast. Hi, I'm Jesse. Hi, I'm Julie from The Good Story is Hard to Find and Forgotten Classics. Hi, I'm Misa. And we're going to talk about the audiobook we just heard, which is The Uninvited by Dorothy McArdle, uh, first published in either 1941 or 1942. It came actually under a different title when it was first published. Nobody has a copy of that one. It was uh, called Uneasy Freehold, which Mm. uh, most people... Yeah, everybody says they don't like that title. I kind of like that one. Um, Uninvited is much more classic, uh, but uh, I, I, I I don't know... I, who is the uninvited? <laughs> well, I know I know what the uneasy freehold is. It's it's Cliff Ann. Yeah. Who is the uninvited? I thought all the ghosts were the uninvited. Uh uh-huh. interesting. I thought Carmel was the uninvited. I think that that's part of it. Yeah. Uh, it, maybe that's why it's a better title. Is it has multiple possibilities. Mm-hmm. And, well, and, so yeah, are, but, and so actually are the the brother and the Fitzgeralds yes. because mm-hmm. this home is a family home and and its ghosts are the they are the residents like these people are not invited. Oh, good one. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, so uh, did you guys read any about Dorothy McArdle? Did you know about her other than her her fiction writing? Just she was, was really into Irish. Freedom fighting kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, I read that yeah. on Wikipedia yeah. too. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's not a lot about her. N- there, there's a lot less than there probably should be. She seems pretty interesting. Um, and mm-hmm. and uh, you were saying before we we got our recording working properly that um, she was uh, she was a a writer who what what, did, what were you saying? No, I'm being I haunted. Don't... <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think you were thinking about saying this. Yeah, <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> um, she was, uh, she, she was. Well, her her writing is pretty interesting. Um, some people, I saw some criticism saying that it wasn't flashy and it wasn't as well written as it seems to be, <laughs> which I thought was pretty funny. <laughs> What does um, that even mean? Yeah, well, the, well the, it was sort of damning with faint praise in in a couple of respects. One, they said that the timing was incredibly good. Um, it was, mm-hmm. and I agree that the timing was incredibly good. And um, uh, another criticism I saw was that uh, somebody who had watched the movie and also read the book complained that the the movie is much better than the book because the book is burned down by a subplot about uh, writing plays, which it is, it does have that. And in the movie, they just switch it to, um, he's a composer. And then mm-hmm. he goes to the piano, plays one song, and then that's done with, right? So we know that he, he mm-hmm. he's employed. <laughs> mm. uh, I kind of yeah, like that the, subplot the kind sub- of works. Oh, go ahead. Oh, that subplot kind of works in in the haunting aspect. And, and you know, like, this coming from a playwright, right? Well, yeah. Well, <laughs> yes. yes, but but he's he's been he's been writing, um, you know, 
reviews and and nothing nothing interesting and then all of a sudden he's completely inspired yeah i i totally disagree with the person who said that um uh, now i i will admit that, that it actually takes up a lot of the book it's what make the makes the book so long is having mm-hmm. all the stuff that isn't specifically about the ghost uh and uh but the thing is is that's the whole it's it's a funny movie because it's not a it's not a horror film exactly, and it's not a, even a, just a haunted house movie exactly. It's also a romance. It's a romance, and it's mm-hmm. a comedy too, which is mm-hmm. pretty impressive. I don't think the book's ever supposed to be a comedy. There's some some nice you know gentle touches, but it's not. I don't think. I mean, there's a few yeah. word plays, but it's not uh, it's not a comedy. So the movie's doing a bit Lizzie is bit amusing. Different. She's meant to be a bit amusing sometimes. Yes. Who? Which one? Lizzie the servant. Oh, yes. The Lizzie. older, yeah. devoted family servant. Yeah. She's supposed yeah. to be kind of amusing, you know? But, yeah, amusing. Well, and I would say, yeah, the, the whole thing about the playwright, actually, I found interesting when I first read it, which I've read it many a time. My mother had this book, and so I read it from the time I was, you know, what, junior high or whenever. Mm-hmm on and um i kind of like the play thing as misa mentioned because for one thing it lets us see deeper into the mind of somebody who's being subtly influenced by uh and not knowing it Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and also bringing their own creative stresses in there also and we see that most of the people who come into the house have something to do with art Mm-hmm. whether mm-hmm. it's um, dance or what music or whatever. Actors, yeah. And th- yeah, and they are also kind of influenced. So that mm-hmm. also goes back to, I think what I might've been saying that you were thinking of before Jesse was that it's an interesting book because it, in many ways, although it's very gentle in some ways, it's also very modern feeling mm. because most of the people in the book are very, have a very tough-minded attitude to anything about ghosts. On the one hand, as creative people, they're like, ooh, that could be exciting. (laughs) But on the other hand, they're very secular and skeptical. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times when they don't want to think there's a ghost, they're coming up with all the excuses we would be very familiar with ourselves. You were tired, you you know, like... um, when they get the actual ghost hunter in, mm-hmm. he's saying, oh, you're saying the eyes were blue, but I saw them as colorless. So that proves yeah. that we can't tell. And the other person's going, no, it proves I know that ghost better than you do. Mm-hmm. So it's just kind of funny how it's this mixture of all the things that we would be saying now, as opposed to the old fashioned type of ghost story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know your mother. <laughs> I don't think I ever met her. She's, um, nope. she's still alive, right? Yes, and she reads anything and everything. Yeah, so, uh, <laughs> I, I, so I have a mother. feeling she's a lot like you no. because I see a lot of you in this book. Um, <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean maybe it's, so. it just resonates. Um, you know, the book resonates with you because you know that's that's how what what happens mm-hmm. when you read a great book. You say, oh yeah, of course, right? <laughs> I've been mm-hmm. waiting for this. Where was this book all my life, right? <laughs> Um, but you also sounds like you grew up with it, um, right? And uh, it's it's an interesting one. One of the I'll, I'll use one of the approaches I like. Um, I was trying to figure out when the book was set. I'm pretty sure it's not set during World War II. Um, mm-hmm. My evidence for this is a couple a couple of things. Uh, one, they sure don't talk about World War II very much, and two. 
they actually do mention the conflict in Spain, which would mean it's during oh, the Spanish yeah. Civil War, uh, which <laughs> is interesting in respect to, I think she's actually really good, Dorothy McArdle's really good at putting together uh, the materials for us to do a little bit of the work. One of the things that, I mean, it doesn't come across as much as in, in the film, but one of the things this book really is, is it's a mystery. Right? It is a mystery. I was thinking that yes. too. It's a, completely it's a big detective story. It is. It's it's not mm -hmm. just a romance. It's not just a, uh, a, you know, a haunted house story. It's a mystery. Um, it doesn't have, you know, the sort of more comedic broad strokes that the film has, but it keeps the stuff that's there. And just because the film's a lot shorter than the book, um, that seems overemphasized. The cat is named Whiskey, right? Um, right. Uh, which is cute. Um, and uh, with the Irish, uh, the Irish in there, oh, it's, 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 it's very well done. It's very well done. But she, she puts together a, an amazing set of clues, I think, that allow us to participate very deeply and very comfortably in this, um, Mm -hmm. haunted house story so one of the one of the things i'll point to that i think are related to that the why the playwriting is actually really good is uh, and it's funny because um he's a he's a reviewer of plays right he writes <laughs> yeah. book yeah. reviews um and he can make a living at it which is hilarious remember <laughs> back in the days when people could write reviews and make a living at it amazing right he can buy a house in the country wow amazing they couldn't have that today um so he uh he, he they talk about a lot of the books that he's reading they borrow books from from the narrator um and one of the one of the plays mentioned um is they're putting on a production of uh, Dunsany plays. And uh, yeah. it just so happens that last week I was reading a Dunsany story, really good one, nice short little piece called The Ghosts. <laughs> and it is a haunted house story in which a, a young man uh, goes to visit his brother who lives in a, in a house in the middle of a haunted wood. Um, and his brother says, don't stay up, go to bed, don't stay in the room. Uh, he stays up. Uh, and at the end of the story, he's set off to murder his brother um, because uh. he's been infected by the ghost that he insisted was not there. Mm. And it's it's that take yeah. it's that take on a very classic thing that even H.G. Wells was doing a riff on. And I think uh, Dunsany did right after H.G. Wells did The Red Room, which is a ghost story about a guy who. He, he's determined to stay up and stay in the haunted room and he'll do it no matter if it kills him, right? And all right. the signs point against it. But what's so cool here is, um, and I'm not usually one who's in favor of this, you know, because especially in the film, it's really obvious. Um, this is, I mean, it's kind of ridiculous that the ghosts don't exist. But in the book, <laughs> it's much more subtle. Um, and... One of the things that I think McArdle's really, really good at, and this is pointed out in uh, one review, and I think it's exactly right, is she gives us a feeling of, of living in that house. And yeah. not just living in the house, but living in the bodies of the people in the house. In the sense that 
they need to eat. They need to go for a walk. They feel restless. They they smell things. Uh, they feel the damp. They feel the the warmth of the fires, and they need to sleep. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that is the difference between a human and a ghost, right? They be, is is that we're <laughs> yeah. tied to our bodies, and yeah. a house and a. I mean, this is what's really why I'm really interested in ghosts, and I, I know they don't exist, pretty much. I mean, if I know anything, the ghosts don't exist. I, doesn't mean doesn't mean <laughs> I don't feel them. Doesn't mean that, I don't think I don't I don't think I know that by the way. Well, <laughs> well, I'm, I, well, what I'm saying is even though <laughs> moving on, even if I feel them, um, it doesn't. What's so cool is that ghost stories are pointing to a real phenomena, that is that we feel that there are ghosts, because when you've got a dead body, the body's no longer a- animated. There's nothing there. What we loved about that person is gone. Mm-hmm. And an empty house that has a history feels like it has ghosts because it's been lived in for so long. The patterns have worn in, right? And the and the older the house is and the more associated with with a long you know, residency, the more we feel that. And this is not a un unreal thing. So what this story does is seems to really point to it and then it says okay and what it's not just feelings and stuff like that like for example in the red room it turns out you know that it is haunted it's haunted by him and the ghosts by lord dunsany um we don't have perfect access to the narrator's thoughts but what we do know is that um there's nothing in the room that he didn't bring in with him, which is the same thing, right? It, so this actually goes the right. opposite direction. And it says, no, 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 ghosts are real. Even though we have all these skeptical characters who are like, well, and then they still, they have a seance, right? Mm-hmm. This is a, mm-hmm. this is a real ghost story. And apparently this was also the first film um, to really take ghosts as a real, uh, <laughs> A real thing, as a real, uh, <laughs> not a real supernatural thing, as opposed to non real thing, yeah, or fake. You know, it's smugglers who are trying to make people not stay yeah. near the house or that that sort of thing. Yeah, and it it makes it quite distinguished, and that's actually in the Gothic tradition that the it turns out to all be you know just a locked mad woman in the attic, and she's actually alive and she's actually there. Right, mm. rather than a ghostly right. voice, it's ele- an actual lady's voice. Um, so this this book has a lot of power. It's just understated, um, deliberately understated. But I guess well, I, also I, I think, for a while there. <laughs> well, I was going to say because um, yeah, so there's the ghost element, which they're real, and in a book, I don't ever question whatever the author's going to result with is mm-hmm. real or it's not real. Um, but there's the mystery part to me is what makes this book rereadable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that's interesting that she does is when you're reading it and thinking about it, there are various parallels that she's worked in. So you have in the character of Mary Meredith, the cold person and the, you know, the ghost who's terrifying. And then you have Carmel, the very warm person. Stella herself is, torn in two by trying to be by by actually being warm and loving like her real mother 
but she's also trying to be like the person she thinks her mother is to please her grandfather. So she herself is in parallel with those ghosts. Right. She will not. Mm-hmm. And this, so the point is kind of made by the end that until that's resolved, she'll have no peace because she's trying to be something that she isn't and, right. and nobody knows the whole truth in the whole story. And so that's kind of another element that makes it rereadable when you read about how confused she is and how much her grandfather kind of hates her at the same time that he relies on her because yeah. she's not being like this sainted Mary that everybody remembers. Mm-hmm. Do you think the grandfather knows? I know at the very end, in the very end, he says, were you lying to me? But do you think he knows prior to that? Like, do you think he's known? I was wondering that after I finished reading it, yeah. if the grandfather actually did know the whole time and was kind of keeping her around sort of in the in the way that that her, her, her that Mary oh. kept Carmel around. Like, mm-hmm. I will I will bear go through this, you know, mm. like with that same attitude, because the way he talks about her. Like he says, um, my daughter was was absolute perfection, and right. and then but my but my granddaughter is secretive, cunning, disobedient, a trickster, mm. like, which I would imagine is how he would have thought of of uh, Carmel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I, I think he knows and doesn't know. You know, he he. It's good question. He might have totally been cover. He might have been part of the cover up. Um, I was wondering, like, yeah, maybe, maybe he, you're right. Maybe it was both. Yeah. See, I felt like maybe he knew when you said Jesse, he knew and didn't know. I felt like maybe at his core, he was worried about it. Yeah. And so that's, it came out expressed like that. Mm -hmm. So he was continually trying to push down anything he saw being that way, because that would make his fears come true. Mm-hmm. Because I don't think Mary would have admitted to anyone, including no. Her I father, don't think Mary admitted didn't like the husband, he, but yeah. I think he. So guessed I don't think he'd have been part of a cover up. Yeah, even maybe she is. She is her father's daughter. Mm. Like that's yeah. how the grandfather describes her. Well, he also hated the father too, though, right? It's so, interesting. Like it's him. interesting. Did you did you rewatch the movie, Julie? Or have you seen the movie? I've never seen it. Okay. No. Mm-mm. That's interesting. It's that thing of, I know it so well, it would ruin, it would not be real. for I, I can't watch Jane Eyre in any <laughs> It's never right. I've read it from way too young. Okay. So The movie has a different flavor from the book. It's the story, yeah. it's the same story, but a, it flavors differently. Well, uh, but this is why I like looking at adaptations, because it makes me think no about way. things different. Like, it's somebody mm-hmm. else's take on it in the same way that you guys have a take on it. I, I get to see somebody mm-hmm. else fully worked out. One of the things they do that they really play up that uh, I don't think is well played up in the book at all, but I think is a little bit there, is um, a sense. Uh, so they make it um, the mom, the not mom, Mary is a lesbian. And they don't, you know, explicitly state it. It's 1944 <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. when the film comes out. But uh, she has this relationship with the owner of the. Uh, Miss Holloway. Oh, Miss Holloway. Yeah, Miss Holloway, right? <laughs> Um, that is uh, explicitly stated by Miss Holloway. You know, she says stuff like, uh, "We sat around planning our lives together," mm-hmm. <laughs> which yeah. you're you're supposed to be able to interpret it one way or another, I guess. And then mm-hmm. she's got a painting of of Mary on the wall, and she looks very remote and austere, right? 
And so uh, I think the father does as well, a painting of Mary. And she's, oh, right. She's, yeah. she's up there on the wall staring down the much. Or Stella's room. Yeah, like a god, right? Rather a yeah. goddess than um, <laughs> than uh, that. And and it makes you um, think about like, oh, okay, that's that's a that's why the mother was so cold, right? She she's not she's not interested in making babies. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, well, that's yeah. one way to go. Um, but they, always, they also call her a saint all the time, which yes. of course is a, a terrible misunderstanding of saint. But still, um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, she's just too perfect. Yeah. But in the movie, they made Miss Holloway like the most evil of anybody. She's insane, she also, which is pretty cats. funny, right? Yeah. Oh. But but I was wondering, do yeah. you think if Miss Holloway, if it hadn't have been for Miss Holloway, do you think? that this whole thing would have played out like how much influence do you think she had on mary mm. wouldn't was mary oh, no i think austere mm. and 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 terrible would she have been as terrible without miss holloway's influence i think uh, we, we can't really think, know because yes. she's dead before the <laughs> book begins um however the there's something pretty well, mo- monstrous about the ghost dead there is pre- something pretty monstrous Isn't about the ghost. Isn't Stella sent to stay with Miss Holloway? Yes. She's not dead, right? They no, go no, talk no. To We're her. talking about Mary. Being oh, sorry, dead, sorry. Right? Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Would Mary have been as Mary as she was? Oh yeah, I think because she was. Yeah, I think she maybe had was reinforced some, but I think Mary was just awful. And. I hate Mary. In case nothing about, didn't pick up on that. This is, this is the other <laughs> thing that's interesting is this is a very womany book, right? So even though it, it's narrated by a male, right? Mm-hmm. Who's by the way, I don't know if you guys got this. His name is Roderick. Yeah. Um, when I think of Roderick and and ghosts, I only think of one book, which is The Fall of the House of Usher. Oh. Right, and uh, I was going to start yeah. off the podcast asking, so is this is a sequel to the Fall of the House of Usher? Because uh, <laughs> Roderick Usher is the main <laughs> character of that story, and he, well, he, he, we're seeing him and his house fall apart. Uh, his sister, you know, both a ghost and not a ghost at the time, and dies, comes back to life, and then dies again. Right, and the house is falling right. apart, and incest is sort of lurking in the background there and uh and and the thing is is having mm-hmm. you julie read the the novel um we've got a a female narrator narrating a male narrator <laughs> and talking about his sister all the time and i'm like this is kind of a weird relationship and i wouldn't maybe have noticed it if if it had been a male narrator um uh, but well, also would... dorothy mccardle's female um right and, and the father of uh, Stella is basically not even important to the story, right? Every, all this time spent except uh, for throwing the asshole card. Yeah, well, but he's and you know uh, and there's almost, I guess there are males in the story, right? But they're not the the key. They're all the young people. They're you know. This the is friends, a woman's so. story. And, you know, about well, the, yeah. what kind of women are you going to be, um, and and he, what what kind of life should Stella have, and that sort of thing. So you make an interesting point too, because I suddenly realized that every father figure in the story, except I suppose the priest, could be considered one, which mm-hmm. wouldn't really well, they call him father. But 
Well, yeah, exactly. Um, he's fine, but um, the other father figures. So you've got Stella's father, who's awful and yeah. self-absorbed. You have Pamela and Rod's father, and they talk a lot about how she'd been living with him, and she was just just trying to get over it because he was so horrible. Yeah. Um, and then you've got the Commodore, who's terrible, also. Right. So every father in this, except for the priest, who is, you know, kind of removed from immediate household concerns, is terrible. And you even have, that's interesting to say it's a woman's story, you have Max and Judith. And Max is getting over a previous marriage to Mitzi. It sounds really awful, though I love the name. Mm-hmm. And it's so evocative of like, you know, a cat who will claw you or something yep. to me. And um, she was manipulative and horrible. So you're right. The women are the active people, not Stella. Stella has been put upon by everybody. But even Pamela has a full say in what's going on, even though she's the younger sister and has been put upon by the father. And so she's got bad nerves and everything. Roderick uh, has his own uh, story before the, right at the beginning of the novel, the reason they're leaving London um, is because he was having a, uh, yeah. bad relationship with a woman and he realized he needed right. to get out. Right. <laughs> and yeah. the, and the sister so was saying, it, ladies. you either, you, she was, she was passively aggressively saying you, you got to either, or oh, what was it? Um, she was worried that he would get married and he was, she was worried that he wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> I need you to move on with your life, but not with this lady. <laughs> That's right. Well, yeah, it's yeah. like uh, you, the way you're carrying on with her, you should get married. Um, but you certainly shouldn't marry her. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Clearly, you need a woman. But yeah. and so let's right go woman. off and live in a house by the sea together, which is, you know, I mean, I wouldn't have thought about it very much. Uh, and uh, watching the movie, I don't think most. It's just a setup, right? But mm-hmm. it, uh, their father, their father uh, died. Uh, what was it? Nursing. They were nursing him, and then he had mm-hmm. this bad relationship, and then they go off and live together. And, uh, you know, he doesn't need to, you know, go into town and work for someone else. They're sort of independent and it feels. Yeah. Um, and that's what the, that's what the fall of the House of Usher feels like. Right. It feels like it's set in the middle of the ocean um, because they're so right. distant from everyone else. Um, they're in the middle of that swampy blasted heath sort right. of a situation. The blasted heath and, and there's a turn is, and. Yeah. Right. And it's not really set in North America, and it's not really set in a real, you know, Europe. It's just Mm -hmm. somewhere in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. They found this foggy land that, and and it feels like the fall of the House of Usher is the bad result of having things, (laughs) you know, not work out. And this is it's this has got a very positive, uplifting sort of ending. Where everything works out in the end, and it ends with a God bless you all, or whatever. It, it, it had a very <laughs> God bless us everyone. It was a Christmas Carol ending. Yeah, it was, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can see why it's yeah. so popular, uh, or was so popular. Mhm. Well, and as you mentioned before, I keep coming back to the mystery part because that's the confusing thing about trying to unravel why they're getting such contradictory feelings and elements of haunting Mm -hmm. and how it's affecting Stella where at one point they're like, you know, she's clearly possessed by Carmel or Carmel. 
Sorry. When you grow up in Kansas reading this from the time you're a kid and you know no Hispanic people, it's caramel. <laughs> you don't know why she's called caramel, but she's called caramel. It's very exotic. Yeah. So. Well, uh, I'm, is she, uh, am I getting this? Is it only in the movie she's called a gypsy, a Sp- Spanish gypsy, or is it both? I they kind of use that as a descriptive term. I don't know if she actually was a gypsy. But well, they call her that a lot, like because it's yeah. you know the put down. She's passionate. She's, yes, she's and, uh, and unruly. also the liar, she's right? Out there. The, the yes. fact that she says she's you know she sometimes uh, uh, lies for no reason. She doesn't know why. Mm-hmm. Um, She'll I also th- probably dance for no reason too. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a lot. There's a lot about sort of race <laughs> in here, and it's interesting because uh, you know the, the span this the Spanish Armada and the black, the, the idea of the black Irish. Remember that? Mm-hmm. So, Oh, my husband is black Irish. There you go. Can you tell, can you tell Misa and everyone else who, who may not know what that means? Yeah. So the idea is the Spanish Armada were beat by the English, but some of the um, sailors made it ashore and they were incorporated into the Irish population and so then these children would be born and, and it continues to be a trait is they'll have this super dark hair, but these bright blue eyes and this really fair Irish type skin. It's like almost Gabriel Byrne, right? Ah, yeah. Yeah. And so, and it pops up like my daughter Rose doesn't have the dark hair, but she's got this skin that you could almost read a book through it so fair <laughs> and my yeah and my but my husband the all the davises they all have this really dark thick curly hair and these bright blue eyes and this really fair skin that will just burn if they step outside for a second so mm-hmm. that's what they mean by black irish right hmm. so that's how you look it's, like it's that. interesting because remember stella's father or uh, sorry the commodore says um Says something to the uh, when they they they're asking about the house um, when the what what's the couple's uh, the couple the brother and Fitzgerald. sister's last name Fitzgerald Fitzgerald okay Fitzgerald. so they go oh, yeah. to they go to the Commodore and say uh, asking about the house and the and say oh you're uh, Irish uh, you know Irish this Irish that and then uh, so do you get a lot of uh, Welsh around here and it's oh no we hate Welsh or something like that. <laughs> Right, a lot of, just sort of yeah. <laughs> it was like random uh, sort of racism. Um, but and, I think you would still find that it's like saying, "Are you from Oklahoma?" And people would go, "Oh, Texas, come on." Well, you know? well, there's regionalisms, right? But but the Welsh are a right. race apart is the idea, right? Or, right. Okay, no, maybe and, it was Celtic. Are, they he said Celtic or something like that. Uh, the, well, Irish are Celtic, but no, I know, she said but, Welsh. And he's like, Cornwall is not. <laughs> right. Don't even think about it. Well, I, but I think that that's interesting because if we think about why Carmel is so despised um, and why Stella is sort of, you know, deluded about or not deluded, um, gaslit about who her mother is. Um, it right. might be in part because of this sort of sense. Like when she finds out, she isn't like, oh, my God, I'm I'm a gypsy. <laughs> she gets upset, right? No, it's like she takes it in, and it's like, oh, that's wonderful, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and she, it's she, very, it's very modern, as you were pointing out. It's very modern. And it feels like totally reasonable, and it fits in um, very interestingly with with um, 
like McCardle sort of she seen I I don't know her. <laughs> I never right. met the woman. But, right. uh, reading about Very her modern. and and her what what she was di- what she, when she was a big supporter of you know the Irish Republic, it the way it was working out was to suppress women. Um, she was not happy with that, and she right. um, she struggled against that. And the fact that she sets her story, her Irish uh, ghost story, in England is interesting. I don't know if that means, you know, she... Mm-hmm. See, I, I view her as Roderick in this story. I think she is Roderick. Yeah, I think you're right. Because of the book reviewing and, the you know, it, it, the composition mm-hmm. of a play and all that. <laughs> um, and and that... So, the... I don't know if she if she ever married or what her 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 story is. I don't think she did. Um, it's a very interesting sort of, yeah, you yeah, can I didn't feel see something's going it. on, right? You can feel something's going on. That's, I mean, it's not what most people are picking up, but just the way she, she tells the story about this family and their relations with the neighbors and the, the house. It's very, um, it, it's not written by a, a man. Um, and one of the other, uh, other than Dunsany, who gets an uh, explicit shout-out, and because uh, he he's a book reviewer, um, that is, uh, because Roderick's a book reviewer, this specific shout-out's interesting, um, is Walter de la Mer. Did you guys catch yes. that? No. Yeah, I, I saw that because I've been listening to the HP Podcraft, uh, Lovecraft Literary Podcast, and they they just recently highlighted one of his stories and I'd forgotten that he wrote ghost stories. Yes, he did. And I certainly didn't remember that reading in this book before that he'd been a book reviewer. So his name just popped out at me and I went, Oh, you genius. Yeah. It's, it's very <laughs> well fertile. done. So, uh, the best, uh, the best story, I think, um, and most people know, I think they even covered it on HP Lovecraft literary, HP podcraft, HP Lovecraft mm-hmm. literary podcast. Uh, is a story called yeah. Seton's Aunt. I'm sure you heard that. Yes, I about love it. that story. I've read it. Oh, it's great. Yeah, I, I was thinking about doing a show on that one. It's pretty interesting. Um, <laughs> I love that. I would do that. That's such a great story. Let's let's explain it a bit for Misa. I don't think she's read it. Okay. I know. Continue. Um, so there's this guy. His name's Seton. <laughs> He's got an aunt. <laughs> Um, and Seton's aunt is uh, viewed from the friend of Seton. Seton's a friend from school. They go yeah. uh, spend some time with Seton's aunt. And she's kind of like a vampire of some kind. Uh, yeah. I mean, not explicitly a vampire, but uh, there's something weird going on in yeah. that house. And it just feel makes you feel like really creeped out and weirded. Um, and that's basically the story. Am I leaving out any important details? Yeah, that's it. It's it's kind of very nebulous, but it's yes. very definite at the same time. It's really a masterpiece. It is really interesting. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I'm sure, you know, I haven't read it for a long time, but um, if I mm-hmm. was to read it carefully and closely, um. Uh, here's, Maybe there's a connection with India because it makes me think of Kipling also. Maybe uh, like, yeah, I, yeah, he wrote he wrote his, uh, he wrote a few ghost stories too. I mean, almost everybody yeah. who wrote novels was also a book reviewer, right back then. So it's not. <laughs> it seems it's, like it. Yeah. Uh, but uh, the Kipling fact that it's, man, yeah. yeah, it's tied in with playwriting and and mm-hmm. Roderick's play. Um, we never get the plot of it, right? Exactly. 
but we get sort of yeah. the outlines here, here and there hints. I I spent a lot of time thinking about how it reflected what was going on in the story of mm-hmm. of the novel, and this is again something that doesn't translate well to film. You know, people sitting around reading books does not translate well to film. <laughs> Right. <laughs> um, you know, not much action. In no, they, they don't do a lot of reading in, in movies, uh, right. and that's probably why they changed it to he's a composer of music and and such. Uh, but if you're reading a book and you've got your book reader and the person's writing a, a play which has to be written and then they read it aloud, right? Which is how they sort of bond together as a quasi strange family. Right, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. With, with the brother and sister and the and the girl who uh, the brother's going to marry um, is kind of yeah it's kind of strange but um, not in a creepy way and all the stuff like when she f- gets a chill um, mm-hmm. and uh, collapses on the staircase or whatever it is um, and then they they put her in bed and. And they call the Commodore, and he says, no, she must come home. Mm-hmm. And uh, looking at it from the outsider's point, like, I kept trying to think of, well, what? how would we want this situation to be? In the movie, she's exactly 20 years old. How old is she in the book? 18. Right. So, is she a child? No, not exactly. Um, how old is Roderick? Mm, I'm guessing <laughs> in his 30s, at yeah. least, right? Um, oh, do you think so? I don't know. Yeah. Maybe late twenties. I thought mid. I thought mid twenties. Really? I thought him as older. I, I don't know. They seem pretty. I think of him. I think of him as young. Isn't yeah. that funny? I. Uh, no, anyway. How old? How old was uh, the actor uh, Ray Milland? He he was definitely. Uh, oh, is that who played him? Yeah. Um, he was in his thirties. He looked like. Yeah, he, late thirties. I would say though. Yeah, uh, easily. <laughs> and. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I I don't want to go too far into the film, but I do want to just uh, the fact that looking at it from the outside, of course, the girl has to come home. You, she can't go running around with, you know, this weird couple who lives in the house down the road. That, <laughs> right. I mean, they're right. really cre- uh, creepy in a certain sense, you know, brother and sister living together on the edge of a uh, thing in a haunted house, and he he has some strange job, right? Not that's not you know, it's not it's not seemly. Well done. Right. Yeah, and but yet, in, in the sorry. I was gonna say in the book they in the movie they had it just them and her, but in the book they they did have a big party, so right. it was less unseemly. Yeah. Well, there were different times though when these things happened, and the one Jesse's yeah, talking about. but the very about, first I time was... they brought her in. Well, the, there okay. there's the uh, was was the servant there as well. I don't remember, but the important mm-hmm. part is looking at it from the outside. I think. You know, we we can right. totally see why, uh, you know, we think things should be done as, you know, the Commodore says. <laughs> um, it just, he's he's an old man trying to control uh, a young lying girl, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> well, and, and they're, in the book, I was always surprised at how respectful they were of all his wishes. They were. Even if they didn't That's, agree with yeah, it, they absolutely did what he said. And I was like, wow, that is not what you would do today. Today, you'd sneak around to do what you thought was best. Well, uh, the thing is, is they do, Probably. They, they do do that as well, right? I mean, they confront him and say, we're not going to do what you say. Um, 
Oh, but they also tell him that, right? Right. Which yeah. is a, a slightly different way of going. It's very confrontational. But um, I, I really am intrigued by, you know, one of the things that happens is schizophrenia is announced, right? She, mm-hmm. She's she's crazy. Yeah. That's why she has these sudden outbursts of lying, not because she's a teenager, <laughs> not because her, <laughs> right. her her guardian is kind of like uh, controlling, uh, and she doesn't know who she is yet. Um, that's sort of not that's not the reason, but rather schizophrenia. And, um, I was actually just talking yesterday with a friend of mine who was talking about a recent uh, or a study in the 70s and uh, or uh, something that happened in the 70s about a bunch of uh, academics going into the uh, asylum to see how easy it was to get out uh, once you go in. Yeah, and mm-hmm. that made me think of something I know Julie's familiar with the Nellie Bly's ten days. I was thinking about right. the Nellie Bly thing. Yeah. Oh, okay, mm-hmm. you you know it too, Misa. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, the thing is, is sending her off to the asylum. Uh, I mean, it, if you said to me, Jesse, I'm seeing ghosts. Jesse, she's <laughs> appearing on the staircase. I have a feeling I should run over to the cliff and jump off. I would say, um, yeah, it's time to go to the hospital. Because that's yeah. kind of weird. On the other hand, uh, apparently in this world, the ghosts are legit. And they, they're standing on the staircase. And, you know, even the people who are completely skeptical. Uh, well, isn't it, isn't it isn't it within the context? Like, this house is apparently haunted. So if I say that within here, okay, perhaps. But if I, if I just out of the blue say I, I see a ghost and I want to throw myself off a cliff it's different <laughs> right well um, well yeah, but, no, but the whole town is that means the whole town is schizophrenic or or yeah, you know deluded uh, yeah. yeah the Commodore is worried about Stella for one thing because of this couple but what he's really worried about is he does not want her at that house he right. knows the previous people left some... because of a incident or a disturbance I can't remember I can't tell you anymore do you understand mm-hmm. and then yeah. later in the book he goes I told you there was an incident or disturbance. And they're like, yes, you did. And I feel like at that point I'd gone, well, hold on. You did not say anything about ghosts. Well, I can't remember. He doesn't want to think it. In the book or if it was only in the movie or in the book when he says there's a malignant thing that wants to hurt my my granddaughter. He says it in the the movie. movie. Does he say that in the book too? No. No. Mm -mm. Because he would never, you know, and this is that thing about, did he know whose daughter Stella really was? Because he's obviously really good at denying the truth or mm-hmm. lying to himself. Mm-hmm. Because he doesn't ever even... It, it, later on, when they're going, okay, there there was a, something happened. And he's like, I told you something could happen. You said you were okay with it. And they're like, you did. You're right. We're sorry. <laughs> it's like, that's when you should have been going, now hold on. There's a ghost. Uh, or two. I, I sent you guys both um, a Captain Marriott uh, cartoon adaptation of of Captain Marriott going into the most haunted house in England. <laughs> yeah, that was good. So Captain Marriott, he's uh, even before Delamere and uh, Dunsany, um, and he he wrote a book about um, ghost stories. Uh, not a book about ghost stories, about um, 
vampires and werewolves um most most of the time when you see it it's extra it has extracts and those are the things that we read there's stories within stories right um but mm-hmm. i was just thinking about how you know the commodore is a commodore um and the fact mm-hmm. that you know captain marriott is is this guy who famously goes into a the most haunted house in england with a a pistol in hand and halfway up the staircase is i'm i'm a skeptic and why does he carry that pistol <laughs> the house, right yeah. Um, yeah but in every subsequent story uh where they go in to de- debunk the uh, the ghost in in uh the red room they, he goes in with a revolver in uh th- that's the hgl story and in the um the ghosts by lord dunsany uh he carries a revolver what is the purpose you know you go in there to to shoot the ghost and of course he says i shot her and she's oh she's not lying dead it's a ghost (laughs) yeah exactly because maybe somebody's fooling you that's like um i can't remember the name is i read some of the stories on forgotten classics um uh by the guy who did the William Hope Hodgson. He had a whole series yeah. of stories about the, a the ghost, ghost hunter. Finder. Yeah. yeah, he was a ghost finder. Karnacki. Exactly. And yeah, Karnacki. Thank you. And so, yeah, it's interesting because all the stories, you could not really tell how it was going to turn out. And some that seemed the most like a haunting would turn out later to be deliberate manipulation. And then some of the stories were combinations of both. Right. So Karnacki always had his very scientific things, his pentagram or his pentacle, sorry, that he right. would draw, and his gun. Well, is is the gun just to make me feel slightly less helpless in this supernatural world? I guess it is. It's just you can't it, tell if it's a ghost. But well, but you go in there. What are you gonna? You, you say, know you it's can't not do a ghost. What is it? Smugglers hiding in the hiding in the closet. There's a smuggler in the basement. Uh, in the movie, what do they say? It's it's uh it's there's some the caves, caves, caves under the oh. uh, caves. sea caves or something. Right. Okay. Yeah. Right. Wh- whatever. Um, I would say uh, that's not that's not gonna explain the crying lady very well. Um. And in this, they kept thinking it was somebody else who was like, "Oh, Pamela's upset. Oh, so and so's crying. Oh, right. you know." And well, it was pretty early on that they agreed it was a ghost, though. Like, it didn't take... We weren't that far into the book when they were saying, no. okay, yeah, it's ghosts. Or it, uh, yeah. at least... The room also glowed. They're, yeah, they're, they're describing. Also, the interesting thing was how it was bringing in the second ghost and the misdirection of which ghost was which and which right. one was evil and which one wasn't. That was the interesting thing about this book. Was, so the seance scenes, uh, or is it scene or mm-hmm. scenes? Um, scenes. They, were, they do the Ouija board and then they do the seance. Yeah, right? they don't actually call it a Ouija board, right? It, it is a Ouija oh, board. Right. It's just without a Ouija. Because Ouija is like right. Parker Brothers, right? But they, right, they right. set it up on the table. <laughs> they've got a glass. They've got uh, all the letters and the yes and the no or whatever. Um, yeah. I actually it, saw one for sale uh, in a used store the other day and I was thinking, I should get. No, I don't need that. <laughs> <laughs> Because no. you know definitely no, ghosts. It's like, you know, what am We're I going to do? Reread the Exorcist. You do not want it. It's, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, they do. They did a good job in the film of you know making um, one of the things that apparently they sent. This is really interesting. Uh, this they censored uh, in the British release of this film. They censored all the special effects. 
They, oh, like okay. the, 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 the fog, they censored yeah, that. Like the lady with the ghostly arms and uh, really ghostly dress. Yeah, apparently. So hard to have a ghost story that way. Uh, well, it, it makes it a lot harder, doesn't it? Just you say, oh, yeah. I smell mimosa. <laughs> I smell. <laughs> that's <laughs> about it. No, that's yeah. the only, only thing you can do. Um, and that, but, but that seance scene was, about, oh, go ahead. Oh no, I was going to say, what about the, the, the book then? Did they censor that in Britain too? No, they never censored the books. Um, no, yeah. the flipping book. Yeah, no, I th- I don't think they I don't think they did. Although um, there was there was was I'm trying to remember who who it was. I was reading something about somebody working for the censorship bureau, right, and just getting completely frustrated with it. I don't think that was McArdle. Maybe it was. Uh, yeah, you know what? I think it was McArdle, actually. She was working for the British Censorship Board or something, which is strange. <laughs> maybe, I'm, maybe I'm confusing it with something else. Um, anyways, I wanted to just point out how well done the um, the seance was was yeah. done. It w- the the fact that they 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 take such pains to try not to be faked out. Um, mm-hmm. and when they find, instead of finding a, a spiritualist, they find the ghost hunter, right? <laughs> yeah, and right. the ghost hunter is very good at, at, I mean, it's almost too good because it makes it much more legit <laughs> to me. Um, is he saying, well, no, don't tell me this because I'm going to, I don't want to be influenced by what you say. I right. want to see what it says. <laughs> and so when we get the, the spelling of the words out, right? And it goes Lil. Um, yes, I love that. Like, or Lily. What's that about? Yeah. And what is that? Well, worked. We worked it out in the end, right? We. It's. Uh, Carmel can't spell, and she's saying she's breaking in and saying it's a lie. Why? It's a lie. Oh. But she doesn't know how to spell English, so she's. Right. But they don't know that. They don't ghost, know there's two ghosts. Ghosts can't I, spell, don't you? Yeah. Know? <laughs> Rereading this, I was so taken. Uh, I was so blown away by how well this was just intertwined because even with Garrett saying, I'm not going to have any presuppositions, he had a presupposition, yeah. there's one ghost. Well, yeah, that's so right. So they were all trying to weave it. All, and it's understandable because you've totally. got to go from some basis of understanding. But but so when they're looking at all this, they're trying to weave it into everything. And when Mary grabbed control back, she's like, oh, well, excuse me. That was, you know, that was Carmel. She's terrible. She's trying and, to, to uh, hurt that, Stella, you know. Once, once That's the funny thing is, is well, once, you say, saying that. once you say there's a ghost, right, what, what prevents it from being 14 ghosts? Right. Right. And mm-hmm. once you once you step down, and that's why that that Walter de la Mare, uh, or not Walter de la Mare, the uh, Captain Marriott c- comic was so funny. Is it starts off, you know, he's investigating this ghost that appears on the stairs, the brown woman or whatever it is, right? And then the all the subsequent panels are, oh no no, it's not just the one ghost. <laughs> like has all these ghosts sort of flocking to this house, right? Because this every time somebody goes to the house to investigate the most haunted house in 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 yeah. Europe, right? They find more ghosts because they it's it's so easy to fall into the trap like all the ghost hunters, right? <laughs> they exist in real life, which is crazy, and they also exist as like television shows, which is. Maybe equally crazy or more crazy. I'm not sure. Or less. Cra- I, I don't know. Yeah. There's a, a bunch of people who go to houses, you know, with their 
special Geiger cameras counters. and Geiger counters and uh, ammeters and all, right? And yet, um, the way it's done in this in this novel is so effectively to undercut all my uh, oh, that's ridiculous because yeah. It's it's they're skeptical. Even like in the movie, she's not uh, the the sister is actually not very skeptical. She's uh, buying into it right away. Maybe because it's only a two hour movie instead of a twelve hour book. <laughs> You're um, right. <laughs> but uh, the fact that they, that's undercut, um, and and we come away thinking, and then it gets a resolution. It's pretty much a perfectly well packaged. Um, thing for what it is, and it is exactly sort of the epitome of the perfect kind of ghost story, um, and yet it has all this other stuff going on it, on in it. It's it's pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. Well, and one of the things that kind of adds to that, because not only do you have the ghost hunter who or finder, whatever he is, who's saying, "No, I must be absolutely uncontaminated by any information." You also have the religious aspect, which is touched upon. It's not informing it a lot, but the priest has very important information for them. You know, he's continually just wanting to do an exorcism brought in by the housekeeper, Lizzie, who's faithful Catholic, and she's not going to have any with any of this stuff. But and he's like, I am perfectly ready and willing to do an exorcism anytime, but you have to get permission. And Stella is having just fits over the idea. Right. Mm-hmm. And which made me stop and go, well, that might have been the popular understanding at the time, but that's an exorcism only drives out demonic or evil spirits. Mm-hmm. So unless she's worried that her mother is a demonic or evil spirit, she's just worried her mother will be damned to hell. The idea of an exorcism is just to go, you do not belong here. Go I back to it- where you belong, which is to hell. I didn't. Th- I didn't get that. Her, she was worried about her mother being damned to hell. I was worried about her mother not being there anymore. She wanted, just wanted to be with her mother. It wasn't a question of where her mother was going. It was, a, I want, I want my mother there with well, me. Yeah, I think she is also know. a young girl. Doesn't know how it all works. Mm-hmm. Um, but right, because she just kept going exorcism. No, and she was horrified. Well, yeah, it was just so not, I just felt like it was no. Because yeah. okay, as somebody who didn't realize that only evil spirits would go. <laughs> but yeah, just, you're in her situation. You don't. You yeah, know. I was like, I just yeah. don't want that ghost to go anywhere. Right. I finally feel good. That's how. That's how she took it. Well, see, I never took it that way. Even when I knew nothing about anything to do with religion, so um, I always just took it as her going, "Oh no, you couldn't do that to her. That would be so awful." See, Not that's interesting. Of, that's interesting. Yeah, isn't it funny that we? And so I just kind of held on to that. I never reevaluated that part of it, but. The thing that was interesting, too, is that they're gleaning facts from everywhere they can. So where some stories would take a position on religion one way or the other, you know, it's it's great or it's awful, you know, uh, superstition and everything. They're listening to the priest going, but what did you know of these people? So the first testimony he's giving is, oh, you know, here's Mary and here's Carmel. and But when they later go but you really knew them. What did you think? And he's like, well, mm-hmm. I saw Carmel like this. And she's going, and Mary, says Pamela, was mm-hmm. she like this? And he's like, well, that seems a bit hard, but essentially I agree. She was the worst in a, <laughs> in a charitable way. <laughs> how charitably can I say it? She's perhaps a bit determined and didn't realize how it affected everyone. Nice try. But so um, she's, 
the author is using all these different methods to build the facts upon which they can solve the mystery. And she's also kind of treating all the sides of them as more complex and fallible than they might otherwise be. Both, you know, the ghost hunter, the friends, the everyone. So that's also what makes it interesting and and impressive that she did all this for a ghost story, mm-hmm. you know. Well, what, one of the things I I uh, I was trying to track down other um, versions, get more covers and illustrations. Uh, I eventually found that there was another condensed novel version done during World War II in the States, and uh, I was considering buying it, but there's no picture, so I I contacted the owner of the thing, (laughs) Mm -hmm. and I said, is there any illustrations in it? Is it on the cover? He says, no, uh, there's no illustration on the cover. Um, There's only one illustration in the novel, in the magazine, um, and it's of a house on a cliff, with a dead tree in the foreground. The dead tree, yeah. And then I, I'm looking at the Wikip, uh, the Google Goodreads, the Goodreads entry, mm-hmm. and it has that pic or a dis- picture that matches that description. Right. And I'm looking at it, and it's like a, it looks kind of like a woman. Now that I'm looking at it, with two arms oh. up in the air and sort mm-hmm. of the curved dress and out, you know, like crying up into the sky as if it's angry or upset. Hmm. Um, and yeah. is the dead yeah. tree in the book? I, maybe I'm... the dead tree. It, it, they actually say when they describe the when they describe the exterior of the of the uh, house, they say uh, at its interior points stood a dead twisted tree. Right. Which is like it seemed like a metaphor for outside inside. Same I thing. I think it's pretty interesting. And the, the other one that really I, I loved and they kept going back to it is the rocks that were nearby called the ghouls. Remember the, <laughs> yeah. the ghouls? Let's go to <laughs> <Yes>. the ghouls. <laughs> it's like, wow. Perfectly reasonable. Well, no, they go for a walk in the garden, you know, stretch their legs. This is the this is I I think that that point that, that the reviewer made about how much time is spent just phys- on the physicality of these people, like mm-hmm. being needing to eat, being cold, um, having a scent come into their into their mm-hmm. nostrils, and you know being overtired and you know sort of managing this physicality of a you know having a body and then thinking about the relationship with you know the commodore right who is a you know in failing health and the doctor being there to you know help this girl who may be going crazy uh onset of schizophrenia you know that's the time when it happens or is she just a you know a teenager with a little bit of wild spanish blood um (laughs) falling in love with this handsome Handsome book reviewer from London um, and her sister. I know which one I pick. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so the I think it's 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 very deftly handled, and it's surprising to me uh, that you know she isn't better known. Uh, the reviews for the Unforeseen are not as positive, but I don't know. Um, what would you say? I Is feel it, the same way. I don't like it as much. It's it's not bad, and I thought I read it on Yeah, I, I believe you did. On... Yeah, okay. Um, and when I was reading it aloud, as often happens, I found more value to it than I had before, but it's not the book that this is. Um, I, 
for one thing, there are less people in it and it's mm-hmm. much more focused on uh, the, because the essence of the problem is that the woman has a premonition, which involves her daughter, maybe seeing her daughter's possible murder or attack by the guy that she wants to get engaged to. Mm-hmm. So she spends a lot of the book trying to break this up without ever saying why or how she saw this or that she even saw it at all. Cause no one knows. Cause it's, you know, stupid. She doesn't believe it herself, except she has to mm-hmm. kind of thing. And so because there are fewer characters and it's just not as good, you know, everybody mm-hmm. can't do the same thing every time, I guess. Mm-hmm. One of the, one of the other things uh, I remember reading about McArdle was when she, um, during the war, uh, she was seeing a lot of refugees from, uh, I want to say, mm-hmm. Czechoslovakia. Um, oh. And she was, like, super sympathetic to their, their plight. You know, that's what happens when you spend time with people uh, who are in, in, you know, in a bad situation. Maybe. You kind of yeah. feel for them instead of what you just read in the newspaper, all oh, those whatever. Right, right, right. right. Um, <laughs> so she, she found a lot of... Um, sort of sadness in the the way people treat uh other people and uh I, there's a lot of sympathy in here and it, it is like a nice warm cozy blanket of uh ghost story to, <laughs> yes. to wrap yourself in yeah um, and, and also I, that I can makes see me revisiting think, oh, it ahead. it's pretty impressive it's pretty yeah impressive. it's still a favorite when I was rereading it I was like oh I know this so well and it didn't matter I got sucked into it and I was visiting my mom in Florida last week and I said oh guess what we're going to talk about this on this podcast and her whole face lit up and she said that's such a marvelous book I might have to reread it now (laughs) and um I was but I was uh thinking about the unforeseen and you talking about her work with refugees and a subplot in there has to do with a gypsy family or Mm -hmm. gypsy camp Mm-hmm. but the family that kind of runs it and um, it's very sympathetically written, you know? So when they're calling Carmel a little gypsy, mm-hmm. she's not necessarily, you know, on that side as we can no, see. No, I in don't think she anyway. is at all. No, but um, it's much more gone into in this way, how they're friendly to the people in the countryside. They come through every year, you know, and they're characters in the story also to a minor mm-hmm. degree. So. Yeah, it, it, people can sometimes, you know, get upset just just at the mention of things. Like, just mm-hmm. the, the word gypsy can make people upset because, oh, no, the word is Romany. Well, not not in 1944 and mm-hmm. not in 1941 right. and not in, you know, and, and just mentioning, you know, that's like, uh, right, this is the one, and I'm happy to even bring up the word and make Julie happy. Just uh, I'll give her a shot of... Uh, some <laughs> nice brain chemical. Ivanhoe, right? In, <laughs> in Ivanhoe, uh, we've got some Jewish characters. And it is super sympathetic in some respects and maybe less sympathetic right. in other respects. But the overall right. takeaway is that Walter Scott was a wonderful person. Right? Right. Because he was... He uh, got these people. He got, he, he got humanity and he was not a hater. Um, right. And so even when you're reading it, looking at the fact that, oh, we don't agree with maybe his representation yeah, here, uh, because Isaac, we can see Isaac, him coming through more, you still go, you know what? That was then. This is now. Overall, you get the take on it. Yeah. But even, uh, you know, the the stereotypical 
uh, Jewish moneylender guy, Isaac, in the story. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. He is incredibly sympathetic as long as you uh, extend out a little idea of, uh, like, this is the situation he's in. He wants right. to do best for his daughter. What can he do? Right. Um, well, he he he's he ends up getting like cooked over a fire by the by, by one well, of. They the, were threatening to do it. I don't think they actually got uh, to it because I think luckily, they, I, I can't the horn blast comes just as the servants are going forward. Well, like they they put him over a fire. I mean, they maybe they didn't cook him, but they were they were. I'll have to re look at that part anyway. <laughs> In any it case, um, uh, he he threatened to do it, and he was getting the fire ready, right? So the the right the bad the baddie right, was, was super good. super bad, um, and the 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 mere mention of race or the mere mention of uh you know ethnicity or anything like that. I, I, what I like about this book is it's incredibly open, and I think it comes from you know. If you if you're an Irish woman living in in England, uh, you mm-hmm. might have a little more sympathy for uh, foreigners who uh, don't get any respect because of you know prejudices. You are and, one. Yeah, you are one. Right. Even, Even though we think of them the as being language. homogenous, they That's weren't. Right. Yeah. And uh, it's it's very very deftly handled here. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's a really good book. I'm so I'm glad you brought it up. Um, I'm glad you liked it too. Yeah. I'm I'm yeah. glad uh, you recorded it ten years ago and it sat in my back yeah. of my mind and I found it at the thrift store and <laughs> <laughs> reminded me to together. do a show on it. That's before I think we were I was doing a uh, podcast on my own. So oh yes, I think wow. so. Wow. Um, I did want to mention oh, if we're done. Yeah, we're close to done. That thing. Um, th- this our conversation actually made me think of two other stories. One mm-hmm. we've talked about. Uh, sometime previously called The Beckoning Fair One by Oliver Onions. Right. And it's about, you didn't like it as much as I did, yeah, I, I think. Remember. Nobody likes it as much as I did, but it's essentially about, you know, a haunted house that there's not necessarily a ghost, it's the house. But it depends on how you interpret it, mm-hmm. if you listen to Jesse and me talking about it. And then um, the other one is one I have not had a chance to read, but I just finished listening to the HP podcast. Lovecraft uh, literary podcast. Pete guys talk about it in three parts called the events at Porath farm. By yeah. That sounded Klein. really interesting, right? Yeah. And so it's this novella and it's about a, um, let's see, he's a teacher, a college lecturer. He's on summer vacation because he's getting ready to do this class on Gothic literature. Right. And it's of course, very crazy as things go on, things are happening that no one understands, but because there's a couple who lives in the farmhouse and, things develop. But anyway, so the thing is, though, is that the entire thing was very deftly, it sounds like, written where everything that he's reading to to get ready for his class is subtly reflecting and calling to our attention the things that are starting to happen there. Mm-hmm. So yeah, in the same way that she's mentioning Dracula. Walter de la Mer, yeah. right. Um, and so in the same way that she's mentioning in the book we just read, The Uninvited, Walter de la Mer, and calling attention to the fact that he wrote ghost stories, but he was a reviewer like her or like Roddy or, you know, now is in a ghost story. This book is doing that, too. And yeah. I thought, oh, my gosh, I have to totally find this and read it. It's so a book I just for book readers, right? Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I got and happy that's also to them tied in with it. Lovecraft Country as well, that story. So 
Um, right. Uh, so yeah, that that sounds like a really good story to read. I I don't know if there's an audio book out there. Um, for T. E. D. Klein, he seems to be uh, underrepresented, but I will look around because that's 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 really interesting. Yeah. And I, that conversation for anybody who subscribed to them, which I pay for their yeah, thing. Me too. It's, it's <laughs> which is how you heard it, but um, it's a really wonderful in-depth conversation. So I recommend listening to it. Yeah, it's a good show. This has been the SFF Audio Podcast. Please join us at www.sffaudio.com. When the ghost is coming down the stairs and everything is so cold and they're like grabbing the blankets going, oh, here we go again. Did you guys was, feel scared I'm not, not scared. I was slightly nervous. The movie, though, <laughs> the movie scared me more than the book. Oh, I haven't seen the movie because I know the book so well that I've never watched it. So I, maybe I should watch it. Okay, you so I, I got to tell you guys, my recording was not working for some reason. Um, probably because oh. we switched it and it didn't catch on. So um, we'll just keep going. For the whole thing? Yeah, so what we, whatever we've done so far, we're just getting started here. Um, sorry. It's just how the day is going. Yeah, well, this, this <laughs> show is haunted. Should, this should be the Gremlin, the Gremlin I, podcast. This show I is haunted. I think malign forces don't want us to record. That's right. We must fight against them. <laughs> All right, we so must fight against them. Let's, let's restart, um, and we'll just yeah. do our best to not repeat ourselves exactly. Here we go. Okay.